0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertilife, the podcast. This is episode 161 called Sarah Walsh. Today's episode is sponsored by Pre-Mama Wellness. Pre-Mama creates doctor-backed supplements that support every stage of your maternity wellness journey. Pre-Mama fertility support for her is the number one selling over-the-counter fertility supplement for women trying to conceive. All pre-mama supplements are gluten-free, non-GMO, vegan or vegetarian with no additives and no synthetic flavors. Discover why moms and dads-to-be trust pre-mama wellness for their nutritional support from preconception to postpartum by visiting premamawellness.com. You can get your first month supply free when you subscribe to any pre-mama product for a limited time. Check it out at premamawellness.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Prove, a women's health company dedicated to providing information and solutions on key fertility hormones so they can reach their goals faster. Prove founder Amy Beckley, PhD, invented the first and only FDA-cleared PDG test after her own battle with infertility. When she learned her seven miscarriages and two rounds of IVF could have been prevented by an inexpensive progesterone supplement, she set out to help other women better understand their ovulation quality from home. Prove's newest kit, Complete, allows women to measure all four key cycle hormones that impact conception from the comfort of home so they can get pregnant faster. With just one test kit, you can better understand ovarian reserve, identify up to six fertile days, pinpoint peak fertility, and confirm ovulation quality. And now the free Prove Insight app takes your hormone knowledge one step further by providing numeric hormone levels, info about what they mean, and personalized action plans to help you reach your fertility goals faster. Prove also offers an entire suite of at-home hormone tests and hormone-supporting products to empower you with the right information on your journey. You guys know that I love female-founded companies and products that can truly benefit those battling infertility. So check out Prove. The best part is that they're giving Infertil AF listeners a special discount code. So go to ProveTest, that's P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T dot com, enter the code Allie25, and you'll get 25% off your first Prove order of $25 or more. That's P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T dot com. Thanks, Prove. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. All right, guys, I'm so excited about my guest today, Sarah Walsh, who is so entertaining and such a great storyteller. This conversation is really, really great. And it's no surprise because she is an Emmy award winning sportscaster that you probably know from NFL on Fox or the NFL Network. And today we are going to talk about all the things she went through to have her, what she calls her miracle twins, including four miscarriages. Working in a male dominated industry that drove her to keep what she was doing a secret, her IVF Hail Mary, and so much more. So I love this conversation. I love this woman. Without further ado, this is Sarah's infertility story. All right. So thanks so much for doing this, Sarah. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. It's okay. um, It's been a long time since I've actually spoken about any of this topic in my life. Well, I'm honored to have you. And I love on your Instagram, in your bio, it says, Emmy award-winning sportscaster. And thanks to an IVF Hail Mary, mom of miracle twins. And I that resonated with me because I had an IVF Hail Mary as well. So let's start at the beginning with you. Did you always want to be a mom? I
1: would be lying if I said that I was one of these people that thought about it all the time. Like Mm -hmm. I just wasn't, um, I wasn't one of those little girls that grew up playing with dolls. I was an athlete. I was really around like everyone in our neighborhood was, was, they were boys. So like I'd play soccer with them. So I wasn't, I didn't have this innate like... Oh, it's all I've ever wanted to be. And, and, you know, to be honest, like if, if I said otherwise, like I would be lying, like it just was not, you know, mm-hmm. first and foremost in my mind. And I wasn't also one of those little girls that dreamed about getting married. And I just, I, I wasn't opposed to any of it. I just kind of thought it was one of those things in the back of my mind, back burner, like that'll happen because that's what happens in life. But it just was never like, top of mind for me. I was a college athlete. So, you know, focusing on playing was, you know, everything for the longest time of my life. And then when I was done with college, I had this career thing that I was just, you know, so hardcore pursuing that it didn't really leave time for anything else and it just none of that again I thought it would happen but it never made sense to me and the timing was never right until later in my life when I met my husband and that obviously changed some things and um you know I didn't get married till later I was 35 when I got married mm-hmm. and and so it just you know that was the timing of the way that my life worked out. And I think when it comes to, you know, talking about some of the stuff we're going to talk about, like it didn't. So again, I wasn't someone that was like, Oh, I'm, I'm can't wait to be a mom. But then when you find out that you can't be, or, you know, I was in a, a pretty dire situation where it didn't look like I can be like that just hits differently. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, why didn't I try this sooner? Why didn't I? So it wasn't, it wasn't like the biggest priority in my life. But then when I couldn't, have it happen. It became such a devastating
0: situation in my life. Absolutely. I can relate to that so much. Cause I was kind of the same. I didn't grow up always, you know, thinking I would have a lot of kids or even thinking about it at all. I just kind of assumed I would, but then when it wasn't happening and I've said this before, like there's nothing sadder than wanting a baby and not being able to have one. Like it's just so heartbreaking on so many different levels. Well, because Um,
1: you, until you get into that situation where you've made the decision that you want one, you don't really like you don't think about it being devastating because I think we also all grow up. And I just, I remember when I was younger, I was thinking, okay, well, if you graduate college at 21, you get married at 22. Again, this is probably like 14 year old (laughs) me thinking that. Right. right? And then like things change. And then I'm like 22. And I'm like, what am I thinking? Like, we're not even close to that, but like, totally. So you didn't, you know, this idea of like how it's so devastating and so sad. Well, you would never really think about that until you're actually in the position, right? And so, you know, we just all kind of assume that it'll happen or that it can happen. And, and I think you look around and it just seems like it happens for everybody, right? Um, And you don't think about the people it's not happening to until you're one of them or you're close with one of them.
0: Yes. And it's hard to even understand what someone's going through until you're in the thick of it too. Yep. So tell me about meeting your husband, Matt.
1: So we actually met a long, long time ago. I uh, was a local reporter in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was a sports reporter. He was a baseball player for the Vanderbilt baseball team. So he was sort of like their spokesperson that they would trot out to talk to the media a lot because Uh he was a good talker. So we, I had interviewed him a couple of times and I just remember at the time, again, because I was very professional and he was also in college and I was not, (laughs) I just, I liked him. He's really smart and uh, he's, he's also easy on the eyes, but he's really smart. And, um, (laughs) and I just remember thinking if I was in college, that's some, that would have been a friend of mine. Honestly, yep. like I, I know that sounds like such a lie right now, but I remember saying that to my producer. I'm like, "Oh, we would have hung out." That's who I would have hung out with, and because I had guy friends, and I was sort of in that world. And and it was yeah. nothing more than that. That's all it was. And then, it, like almost not a decade later, but several several years down the road, almost like I'm not doing the math right because I never do math right on anything. But maybe like six seven years later, he's now 28. I was like 34 or something at the time, and. I was then on Sports Center um uh-huh. for ESPN and his college roommate um back in the day was on Sports Center because the college roommate went on to be in the big leagues and he was having like a career year. And so he's on and we were doing this interview and, uh, I never assumed that someone remembers me from back in the day, but I'm like, oh, you know, I, I worked in Nashville. I covered you back when I had actually done a feature on this guy. And he was like, oh yeah, my friend, um, Matt Bushman, who's my husband. He's like, oh, my friend, Matt says hi. And I'm like, oh my gosh, tell Matt, I love him. Like, he's great. And I meant it like, and like, oh, I love him. He was awesome to deal with. And he's like, no, he like loves you. (laughs) And, um, And it was like kind of joking, but I'm like, is he joking? Like, I mean, he didn't really love me, but like, it was kind of like one of those, Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. And then, and then we got reconnected. So we, we knew people who knew people. And then, so we were reconnected like almost n- nearly a decade later and, um, so great. and we knew immediately, but at that point I was old. So then, you know, kidding around and I'm the kind of person that has to find humor in anything. Um, Same. When we were going through all of this because I think sometimes like, if you don't laugh at stuff, like you're going to cry. Right. So 100%. I would make jokes, even go through the IVF stuff. but um. I was like, you know, if you would have just gotten together with me back in the day, like none of this would have been a problem. Like this is technically your fault because, like, I'm right. so old now. It took too and, long. Yeah, he took way too long. Um, but so, uh, so yeah, that's how we met. We met like
0: long ago, and then we're reintroduced. I love that. So, how soon after you guys got married did you start talking about having babies, or was before you even got married?
1: Um, We got married pretty quick. We got, we honestly, like, we hung out like maybe twice, and he's like, we should get married. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it was just like one of those things that like everything made sense. And again, I would not recommend this, um, if you're 21 years old, but I was, I was older, he was older and I just knew. And I, and again, like, but what's interesting is, is, um, you know, I had dated people and people would be like, do you want to get married? And I'd be like, nah, I just, I don't know. I don't really think about it. And I remember people saying to me, oh, you haven't met the right one. And I was like, well, maybe I just don't want to get married. Like I refuse to think that like." it was because i wasn't maybe with the right person i was uh-huh. just like i just think i'm somebody that doesn't want to get married and then it's funny because then i meet the right person and immediately like we had hung out twice he's like we should get married and i'm like yep that makes sense and it just like made sense so yes. um after we got married like again at that point i'm like 35 turning 36 i think and we knew like we just kind of knew that we i probably didn't have a long time to delay trying and we didn't mm-hmm. know how long you know that could possibly take Um, But it's funny because again, I was an athlete. Um, He was an athlete. Like we're in good shape. We take care Mm -hmm. of ourselves. All of those things. And I knew older older friends of mine. And when I say older, like I mean we're talking. Everything's relative, right? But um, Mm -hmm. they were like, "Yeah, I had a baby at thirty eight. No problem. My my husband's mother had um, his sister like in her forties, and like you know we all and so." We just didn't know. And so pretty quickly, like after we got married, as soon as we started trying, like the first month we tried, I got pregnant and I was like, oh my God, this is easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I lost that baby. And so my situation was that I could get pregnant, but I couldn't. the the eggs were just no good or something Mm -hmm. would be wrong and I would like lose them. So Um, sorry. So yeah. And it was, it was funny though, because again, and once you're not in that world and you don't know, so literally the first month we tried, I got pregnant and I'm thinking, again, this is so easy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just want to be pregnant and you are. And I think even when I lost the first one, I'm like, okay, well, that's common. Like that happens. And like, you just don't really know until you're in that world and you start deep diving on like what the statistics are of getting pregnant at any age, right? Because it has to be like the right time, the right... Um, like literally the right yes, hour, the right, it's egg, so much like harder than things. we've been taught
0: our whole lives.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you start to be like, how does anybody get pregnant on a random one night stand?
0: I mean, it's impossible completely. to get pregnant when you can't get pregnant <laughs> completely. And what you just said about having the one miscarriage, that's how I would, I had four miscarriages between my daughter and my son. And the first one I was like, obviously very upset, but I was like, everybody has a miscarriage. Like, I, It felt so common. I knew so many people who'd had one but I didn't know people who'd had to. And then when I had the second one, I was like, wait, shit, this is not normal.
1: Yeah. And I wasn't telling anybody. So like, I didn't even, you know, like I wasn't even saying like, I had a miscarriage so that I wasn't getting people going, oh, well that happened to me too. Like I was just very much like alone, isolated in this bubble. Mm-hmm. But again, I sort of at the, at the start of that journey, like had this athlete's mentality, like it'll be fine. We got mm-hmm. pregnant and like, a hot second. So like, you know, this one just wasn't meant to work. And then, you know, you start to go down this path and, and nobody knows how bad it is until you're really down the path. Right. And you're doing Mm -hmm. these tests and you're doing, you know, you're getting dire news. And what started out as like, we just thought would be fine, you know, was not fine Mm -hmm. for us. Um, and it took a lot. And so when I said like IVF Hail Mary, uh, you know, I just didn't know, how else to describe it. And the fact yeah. that like, in, for me, in my situation with everything that we endured and I ended up ultimately having four miscarriages, um, we just, we also couldn't get eggs. Like once we finally got into the the bubble of, you know, at least for us, it was like, okay, this didn't work. We'll go to this. And it's probably this. And then that didn't work. And then it yeah. went one step further down the ladder of like things going wrong when right. we didn't start out. And I, you know, everyone's story is different. I think people start off with at a young age, they are visiting their doctor and they know that there's going to be issues or, you know, like we didn't know anything mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh, well, this isn't great. And now this just got worse. And now this just got worse. And that's kind of how it was for us. And Uh it just, every turn we took, it was sort of more bad news and more bad news and more bad news.
0: So can we unpack that a little bit, Sarah? So tell me about like you wrote for health magazine, this wonderful article about, you know, your story and what you've been through. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. You know, you talked about having a miscarriage when you were hosting sports center. Was that the first one or was that one of the other? Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So that was the first one. So I was pregnant and, um, I was on the road a lot and I was working honestly, probably the most insane schedule of my career at that point. Um, where it was like traveling and these early morning shows, but I happened to be on the road. So away from the studios where I'm home, like the only person that knew I was pregnant, um, was my husband. And for many reasons, I was like keeping that private. And, uh, Mm um, you know, I work in a completely male dominated industry. Right. Um, You know, there was things about how you're traveling and who's traveling. And I just never wanted to give any reason that someone could say I was slacking or I was, you know, and and maybe some of this was me and my own like self-conscious of like, I'm going to just operate as normal. And it wasn't normal because I was pregnant and I was just running myself ragged. And I was on the road doing a show um, where it was like, it's, it was like in conjunction with college game day, which is just thousands of kids screaming. And I started to have problems on the road. And I, I I honestly didn't know what to do. And I go back now and I would think, um, and this is what I try to tell people, like advocate for yourself, for your health, like stick up for yourself because nobody else will. And, but again, I didn't want to tell anybody I was scared. And I'm like, I can't, you know, I knew, I know what it's like if you have to go to the hospital and you have to go to the emergency room, you're there for hours. This started happening, overnight, I needed to be in and work at like five, six in the morning. And when I say work, like on a set in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, like this is, I'm I'm not there. I'm not from there. Like we've got, you know, and right. I'm working with all guys and I'm not yeah. working with literally anyone that I can tell what's going on. And I was embarrassed. Like, I don't want to, I honestly don't want to tell anybody. I'm like, I think this is what's happening. And, yeah. um, I you- let my husband know and he starts, you know, calling doctors and, you know, somebody knew that something was a little off and they're like, you're going to do this show. And, and in my head, I'm thinking if I don't show up, like if this show comes on at 9am or 8am, whenever we came on and I'm not on, um, there's not like a replacement person sitting like in the, (laughs) sitting in the wings in Tuscaloosa, like we traveled like our show there. And then my mom would be aware who would turn on the TV and be like, why aren't you on? Like my coworkers, my producers back, that were in Bristol producing the show. Like to me, there was no way, even though I knew I needed to go to the hospital that I could not pop up on screen at 8.00 AM. When I was there yesterday, we did the show, a show there the day before. And so at that point, you know, my husband was just calling like the doctors back home in Connecticut, where we lived, like, what do we do? Can she get on a plane to come back here? Like, what's the severity of this? And it was just a disaster because I was doing this while I'm on TV and I didn't, you know, I, and this, this, we'll just show you where I was at. I was literally like, I had a plane ticket to get back in Tuscaloosa to uh, Hartford, Connecticut, not a lot of directs. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a very small window from the time the show ended to getting to an airport that again, was this tiny little airport to get me to another airport, to get me home, all these things. And in my head, I'm like, if I don't get on that plane, am I going to have to pay for some insane plane ticket? Back, like if I'm in the hospital for two days, like I. And again, saying that out loud, you're like, you shouldn't have been worried about that. No, it makes sense. These were the things that were going through my head of like, I got to get on this plane and I got to get back. And if I'm losing this baby, like I don't want to lose it. I don't
0: want to be here alone in a hospital in Tuscaloosa by myself. What you wrote in the health article, and I want to quote it because I think this sentence was so important and relatable. You said, as the only woman on our crew, I worried that if I let on what was happening, I'd be judged. And that in the future, the network might decide it would be easier to send a guy to host a show instead of me. So I stuck it out. And I love that you said that because I think that so many women have gone through something like that. We're like, they can't let on or they're worried they're going to risk something. And so I just, I thought that was really great that you said that.
1: Yeah. Well, like in a situation where it's very subjective of like, I can pick this person like, or I can pick like, uh, Oh, Sarah's going through something medically. Like we don't want to risk her on the road or like, right. I, um, so that all of these things were like in my mind. And I was very, from the time I started there being like, I don't ever want to be a problem. I don't ever want to like right, cause anybody issues. Like I will show, you know, like I'm the kind of person that will show up to work. Like Sick and like and mm-hmm. now in this COVID era, like you're right. told not I know to what use, you mean that back yeah. in the day. Like, yeah, like I would show up with no voice. I like, um, right. You work really One hard. time before a show, and they're like, you have to go to, to the hospital. I was with like the makeup, I was with the makeup girls in the makeup room. And I'm like, no, nobody say anything. Like, I'm going to get through this. Like, I would just, and I think some of that was like me being an athlete, like you just play through it, but especially something so personal, like nobody in my family knew. So, like, I didn't want to go to somebody and be like, hey, I some guy and be like, Hey, this is what's going on. This is embarrassing. Like, yeah. So it was all of that. I get it. And, um, and I just got back to And it's funny when I've even shared that I've gotten so many messages from women everywhere. Right. So it doesn't have to just be like in a sports related field that Mm -hmm. I was like women in law firms, women in, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I mean, it doesn't, it's not just, it's not only me, and I know that now. But yep. when you're in it, and again, and I'd never been pregnant before either, so I don't right. know what's going on. Like I don't know how I'm handling anything. Yeah. I did know I was running myself ragged. So then in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm an idiot because like I did this right, and so yeah. So again, I really ended up, yeah, yeah. I ended up getting back um, on a plane and getting back. Even the doctors were like, we don't know if you should fly, and it was just like it was terrible and it was awful uh-huh. and. Uh, got picked up at the airport, went straight to the hospital and, and it was like really hard for me. And it was really hard work wise. And, um, when I went back to work, like then the first thing that was said to me when I walked in, so this happened in Tuscaloosa, I walked into work and they go, Hey, you're going to Tuscaloosa next weekend. And I was like, what? And like that never happens. Like you never go to the same place twice. Like you never in my whole career, that's never happened. Like you don't get usually assigned to the same game, the thing that just happened. And I literally was like, What and they're like, You're going back to Tuscaloosa next weekend. And in my head, I was just like, I cannot go back there, like, Mm -hmm. this just happened to me there, and I had to go back. And like, Uh, that was like traumatizing, So so it was like triggering, traumatizing, yeah, like in a lot of different ways. And so, literally the next thing out, I'm back sitting on a set in Tuscaloosa and all I could think of is I was like, I was here two weeks ago and like, I was pregnant when I showed up here and I'm not like same plane ride back. Same. It was just like a lot. And I think I never even really processed being sad because I was like shell shocked from just everything that went mm-hmm. on. I mean, I like, you know, had emailed my boss from the hospital that night and didn't hear back. And I was just like, and I was like, is that normal? Like, is that like, I just felt like, it kind of made me be like, Hey, this is nothing. Like what happened to you is nothing. It doesn't matter. And like, you need to get over it. Cause like, it doesn't even matter. Just go back to Tuscaloosa. And like, I think it really messed with me mind wise because then I would see these other women that are like, I'm so sad and people that are supportive. And I'm like, I didn't have any of that. Like mm-hmm. it was like, get out there, do the show, go back yep. to work. Like,
0: yep. and I
1: think in some ways I never, it altered, I'll say this, it definitely altered how I handled anything from there. And I think, it was not healthy at all the way I handled things because it was like this very much like suck it up. It's not even a worth a response of, Hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. Or mm. how the heck did you get through the show today? We're so sorry. None of that. And it altered. So then when I got pregnant again, like there was no way I was going to tell anybody anything. Right. Um, and then when I lost the babies again, there was no way I was going to say anything. And so right, you know, for oh, people God. that have had a DNC, like one of the miscarriages, it was like a full-on procedure and I was in the hospital And like, I went to work the next day and they're like, you know, you should be out all week. And I'm like, I can't be out all week because I can't tell them why I'm out all week because I don't want to be like, you know, and then I felt like I turned into this girl that like, I definitely didn't want to be like, well, I'm the one that's having miscarriages. And like, yeah. um, so I think that that on top, like all of this stuff, At base level is hard. It's really hard. So in the best of circumstances, I think it's really, really hard to go through. If you have Mm -hmm. the best family, if you have the best support system, if you have the best circumstances, it's just hard. And then everyone else has the things that like pile on and make it harder. And I do think because of what I was doing. And because of my own like pride of like, I'm not going to let anybody know. I think I made it significantly harder on myself Absolutely. Um, mentally. And I try to tell people like, Hey, do what's best for you. If what's best for you is telling people and saying like, Hey, I got to be off tomorrow. Cause I got to go to this IVF thing. And I just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did what was best for me in any mm-hmm. of the situations. And mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't like, Hey, you're strong. Like in some ways I'm like, Hey, you're really stupid for handling it that way. But I didn't know. And so I right. cut myself slack on that. But like, I always tell anybody like, do what's best for you. And if, if it's best for you to just be like, Hey, I'm going to lay in bed all day today. And that's all I got. Like do yep. that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wish I could tell myself to go back and be a little more selfish and like the handling of it for
0: myself. Cause I didn't do that. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. That makes so much sense to me and no judgment at all for what how you handled it and what you did. That's what you had to do in that moment. Exactly. But you um, know, what's funny. I think too, that we internally feel like people are going to judge us maybe
1: worse than they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like everyone was like looking at me and I didn't want to say what's going on. And I've learned through all of this that like, if you're just honest, like how someone judges you, like, that's on them. Like I do remember mm-hmm. sitting like when I was getting mic'd up that first time with that miscarriage, um, I was with an, uh, a male anchor who was not the normal person I was with. And if I was with my normal guy, maybe that would have gone differently. So it was someone I'd never even worked with before.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, he
1: just wrote on a piece of paper, like, are you okay? Oh. And I just said, not really but I didn't say anything else because in my mind, I don't want to, this is like my thinking. I was like, I don't want to make him uncomfortable. This isn't his fault. He doesn't know anything that's going on. And Mm -hmm. I don't know this person. So we're not Mm -hmm. even friends. Like we don't, we just had never worked. Our paths had not crossed together. Right. um, I like, if I lean over and go, Hey, I think I'm having a miscarriage. Like that's like really heavy to put on somebody that like doesn't even know me. So I knew I couldn't do that. And so and I, so I wouldn't suggest doing that. I think even knowing what I know now, I wouldn't do that, but I think, definitely think there's times like I could have told producers, even male producers of mine, because like, what I've come to learn is like, they have wives and the, the, I did end up telling the male co-anchor of mine, who was my normal co-anchor who wasn't there that day, what had happened. And he was horrified. And he's like, this has happened to me. Um, this has happened in my family. And like, mm. I, and I just remember being like, Oh, like it's, you know, like, he was very sympathetic to me and he was Mm -hmm. very like, he was actually wonderful to me. Um, But that was like the one person I felt comfortable like saying anything to. And I think more often than not, people want to like help you, right. If they can. And that's another thing I learned, you know, like I just took everything upon myself, but Mm -hmm. I think people really truly would help. And I would like to believe that people really are good and, you know, want to help people through tough times, but if you don't let them know, they can't
0: help. Right. Absolutely. So just going back to the chronology of your story. So you'd had, you'd done IUIs for the second and third pregnancies, right? That both ended miscarriage, sadly. Um, what Then was it at that point that you guys decided to move on to IVF?
1: Yeah. So okay. I, um, the first miscarriage, they were like, you know this happens. It could be anything. Um, You got pregnant really easy. It'll it'll happen. It's okay. I will say this: it's just when I go through things that were like horrifying, and it's hard to even imagine that it happened. I remember being when I was in the hospital that night, and I was leaving. I remember, and I I swear I would think I'm making this up if my husband could not confirm it because mm-hmm. he heard it. We're leaving right. the hospital, and this nurse circles, you know how, when you're in a hospital, they'll have your, like, um, the thing on your like wrist and it'll say your name and it'll say your date of birth, your paperwork also says your date of birth. So it said my date of birth, it said 36 years old, the nurse circles, it says 36. She goes, you know, it's only going to get harder for you. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I just had a miss. Like, I can't even make up the crazy like stuff that happened to me. I'm again, I was in Tuscaloosa earlier that morning on national television. I'm in a hospital right now. And that, and I'm like, why would you say that? Like, I don't yeah. think it's going to be, get easier. Like, so little things like that would happen to me. And I'm like, am I in like the twilight zone? Like right. what medical professional, like says? And I, and I've had, I mean, other people have said they've had like, so I was like, yeah. okay, lady, thank you. Awesome. Like, can't wait to get on out there and try again. But, um, yeah, so you're very wow. nice. Cause I was thinking something much, much more foul. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't though, because again, I was in that area of being like just completely like shell shocked of like, what just, how did my day just unfold? Like it started like in the down South and I was pregnant and now I'm back in Connecticut and I'm not, it just was crazy. But, um, So I ended up going to like a fertility doctor who was wonderful. And he was like, look, you don't have a fertility problem. You have a timing problem because at this time my husband was off playing baseball. So we were honestly, after when we went to go try again, never in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so timing out. So I think I went to him originally to be like, Hey, is there anything you can do? Like, can he leave sperm? And like, when it's the right time, I just come in and get it because he's like, it's never going to time out that you think you're going to hop a plane on a random, it's not going to work out schedule wise with the way your life is. So he's like... You should do IUI. And again, we don't think there's a problem. He had done initial checks and like my reserve, everything looked fine. He's like, I'm telling you, this is a timing problem. So that's when we did the IUI just because we needed to time things up correctly. So we did IUI. And I remember another thing they don't tell you and you don't know till you're into it. Because again, I am still under the mindset of like, it's so easy to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the IUI thing, I'm thinking like, that's a hundred percent success rate, right? Because like they're doing the, they're looking at the, like your ovaries. They're telling you like, on this date at this time, like this is when it's gonna work. And so I remember being on the table, and he's like, you know, there's like a twenty percent success rate. I'm like, twenty percent. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm paying to be here, like on the right day. Like, you've got your little syringe. Like, yeah, this isn't a hundred percent. He's like, no, it's twenty. And I'm like, those aren't great odds. And those are technically, I guess, really good odds because you're like basically beating the system on how you're doing it. But um, right. I still got pregnant on that right away. Um, lost lost that one Ugh. did IUI again. And after we lost the third one, um, after being pregnant, then, then, then they're like, okay, there's a problem. Like there's a mm-hmm. problem with these eggs or they're going to have to be genetically tested. We're going to have to like harvest them in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did IVF and again, I was doing this and and for anyone that's gone through IVF, you know, like you don't control when you have it's, a, it's, it's a short period of time that's taxing. I tell people when they say it's so hard, I'm like, well, no, it's like two, three weeks of it being really difficult of like, you have to go in when it you're and you're doing the meds and yeah. Yeah. The meds, everything has to be at a certain time. And I worked these shows that were really in the early in the morning, we have to go in and get blood tested early in the morning. Right. So I would be like at these facilities freaking out and just looking at my watch because I'm like, I literally have to be on television in like an hour and a half and I'm oh 45 God. minutes away and nobody knows. And they say oh that like, God, it's not good Sarah, to stress. This is so stressful. Yeah. It's That's what I'm saying. Like it's stressful baseline. And I'm just like compounding everything like that to make it as hard as possible. And at one point, like there's this line and you don't get to cut the line. Everyone just shows up for blood work. You don't have like a time. Like you don't, you can't stop. I would show up like an hour early and there'd already be a line. And I just would be sitting there like panicked in tears of like, I'm not going to make the show. I'm going to get in so much trouble. So I just like, just completely like piled on stress in every way possible. But our first IVF thing. And then of course, this is another, like, I don't, I don't know. I just have the worst luck in some senses, but, um, I had committed to host this event in New York city and I'm like, okay, well, I just can't have my retrieval fall on this day. And you can't control that. Right. Right. And I, I had committed to it way out. Of course it falls on this day. So then I'm like, you know, they somewhat sedate you a little bit. And I go, Hey, what, um, Has anybody, does anybody like go after you have this retrieval and like host something? Because now (laughs) I've been like under drugs and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I go, well, will I be able to read off the prompter tonight? And like my doctor was actually really cool. He's like, he was like, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you think you can do it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh my God. It was just like the worst timing. So I... Did you do it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And and I'm going to be honest. They're like, you know, don't mix any kind of alcohol, but like, so I'm in New York city It was at the Plaza Hotel. It was Mm -hmm. like this fancy thing. And I, again, I'm so embarrassed. Like I can't call these people that I had planned months in advance and go, Hey, so this is random. Uh, I just found out they're going to pull some eggs out tomorrow, which is the day of your event. So I I don't want to tell anybody what's going on in my life in that sense. And I'm, and again, I'm like embarrassed and I shouldn't have been, but I was, And so I'm like, I got to do it (laughs) like halfway through. I'm like, just give me a glass of wine. Like, I've had a long day. Like, I've deserved this. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen to me now? They got these eggs out, <laughs> so right. I like again, don't do as I say. But I was like, I've earned it, and I like had a glass. Of my husband's like, you're gonna be okay. I'm like, yeah, just give me the wine. I don't care at this point. But um, <laughs> they it was successful Amazing. in that um, I had got eleven eggs out. And again, having never done it before, I think like God, it should be so more. It should be whatever. Right? Like eleven's good. I wish it was more. Well, by the next day, it was down to five. And yep. the next day, I was down to two. Yeah. So
0: this wait, is my how first did the event idea. go though?
1: The event was, was it great. A, it was had great. Any, nobody had any idea. Um, See, so you're such a funny, professional. What is funny about it, actually, like looking back and laughing? There's pictures of us dressed up from that night, and I know that that was the night. Like, I have twins. That was the night that those twins were like. I guess you wouldn't say brought into the world, but became an egg or something like became, oh my God. they were harvested that day. So I'm like, look what I did on the day that you guys That's were
0: amazing. Like, I mean, I can so we, hands down say that you were the first person I've interviewed who has had a retrieval and then hosted an event at the Plaza Hotel that same night.
1: <laughs> that that puts me in a small minority. I would I hope for everybody else's case. So and like even funnier about that is I used our ESPN makeup team that day. So I was down like 45 minutes away. I went back to Connecticut. So they had no idea. I'm sitting in the chair like falling asleep. And I had the like um, you know, like when you get uh IVs taken out and there's the uh like cotton ball with like right, right. my arm was the taped tape. up from having IVs in. So yeah. I have like a jacket over that. And they're like, what happened to you? I'm like, Oh, nothing. And then I'm like, kind of like passing out in the makeup chair. Anyway, I got through it and, um, <laughs> and I looked pretty good for it. Like nobody had any idea. I was like oh in like God. a procedure center, like an hour before I was in that makeup room. But, Amazing. um, so we got to, we ultimately only got two, and I was really bummed by that. But I was like, you know what? Let's do another round. Let's go do another round right away. Cause Mm -hmm. I want to get this. I want to get the ball rolling. Like now we're into, we're several miscarriages deep. deep.
0: So you'd Um, made two embryos.
1: We made two embryos. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And to just backtrack, I had gotten pregnant again after the first miscarriage, which was devastating, lost that really quickly. And then um, through another IUI, I got to be like three months. So we had gone we had gone, we had seen it, all this stuff. Um, and it was another football season. And I was like on the road and they're like, it's not going to work. And I had to get on the road and do a show and call my husband who lived on the other side of the country. Cause he was playing baseball. And it was again, just like devastating, uh... I think going like in front of the camera when this is going on and acting like nothing. And then I had like a DNC scheduled for like a Monday. And I remember being at uh, Michigan, the university of Michigan for this huge, like, um, I want to say it was like Jim Harbaugh's like debut there. And it was like a big deal. And Mm -hmm. I just am on this bus and I'm like, what is going on with my life? Like, this is, I can't think of anything other than like, I'm in surgery 48 hours from now Mm -hmm. and, and having to like mask it again and hide it. And I'm like, nothing's wrong. And like, um, my husband, like, it was getting, it was September. So that's the end of baseball season. And he like packed up his stuff, um, on the spot where he's at. And he's like, I'm done with this season and like drove back because he knew I was just like, not going to make it. Like, I was that, like, just in a bad space, but having mm-hmm. to like put on a show for everyone. And, and he even traveled with me on the road to like this game. And I knew that people were like, Oh, she brought her husband. Cause it's fun. And he was like, literally there to like, honestly, like he thought, like, I, I don't know that I wasn't going to like make it or that I was like, I was at that point, like starting to get where not to get like too heavy, but like, I was just starting to get like suicidal. Like I was just mm-hmm. really like falling apart. Yeah. Um, Cause so it sorry. had been three times and it had been like, faking stuff in front of everyone. And, yep. and I just knew like, I just couldn't do it anymore. I like couldn't do another surgery. I couldn't do anything. So that happened. And I just also felt like for me, it was like deja vu. Like here I am yeah, another year later sitting on these sets in the fall and it's called football season and we're excited. And like, look, I bounced back and I'm like, and here we are again, like, here we are again, like same thing, like this, like just cycle I could not get out of. Yeah, And and then you start to feel like a failure. And then, you know, like the one I could be like, this was bad, but like, and again, given where I was working, like not saying anything. And it just was
0: really like, it was yeah. bad and it was embarrassing and like did you um, have any friends or anything that your community that you could lean on to for support or like were you just it was just you and your no, husband and, i had
1: like my best friend um who yeah. knew and was like awesome and was like i uh, i would tell people after the fact but never when i was like going through it mm-hmm. and So I would go to like great lengths to even hide. I was pregnant. Like I, you know, like I would like fake drinking drinks when we were out. Like I would fake, like I did everything you could do. Like I was not one of those people that was like pregnant. was like, I'm pregnant. Cause now at this point, anybody that's ever lost a baby knows like Mm -hmm. you look at it differently. And unfortunately it clouds how you look at being pregnant. As soon as I feel like as soon as you've lost one, and if you are lucky enough to like, that never happens to you, it doesn't really enter your mind, right? You're like, I'm pregnant. It's great. I'm in this like great bubble of like happiness. And it's not until you like go through like, Hey, this can be taken away at like any sonogram appointment, Mm -hmm. right? Like you just, I was never going to view any pregnancy the same after even the first one, right? Like it was just a very cautious thing for me. So we Definitely. had gone through like the terrible devastating losses again. And um, and I was literally just falling apart at that point. And then when we went from like 11 to five to two within like a 48 hour span of just having two healthy embryos. And when you look at the statistics, they will say that you need more than two to result in a pregnancy. Um, Again, the odds were like low. So we were like, let's do another round we do another round halfway through the round, which, uh, everyone that probably listens to this knows it's really expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really demoralizing even, you know, financially, like I would look around these rooms and they're filled with women. And I'm like, how's everyone paying for this? Because I felt like, and I would say to my husband, um, our insurance covered not even like one round, um, because it's so expensive. So it covered partially one round, but I mean, I use that up on like IUI, like, I mean, and, um, and I would like look around and be like, how's everyone paying for this? And it's like heartbreaking. And I mean, that's a whole other topic of, I feel like that Mm -hmm. should be different or covered differently Mm -hmm. because it really comes down to like, if you happen to work at one place, that just happens to cover that in their insurance. Like you can have a baby, but somebody else like can't like, yeah, the financial
0: piece of it is so frustrating. It's frustrating
1: and it's heartbreaking. And it's really sad that it comes down to like, who can pay for that and who can't Yeah, in terms of some people getting the family that they wanted. And, um, yes. So I would tell my husband, I'm like, I feel like we're just going down the highway and just throwing money out the window. Like if I pay $20,000 for a car, I'm driving off the lot with that car. Like we're paying $20,000 for nothing. Like there's no like reimbursement policy if it doesn't work. So we get halfway through another round. um, They have to call and say, Hey, like, it's not working. Like we can't even do a retrieval. It doesn't work. So now we just, in my mind, I'm like, we just wasted all this money on all these meds. And they're like, but maybe it's because, you know, you did it right after your last round. So we wait again. And, and then it's this whole mind thing. And I would not put those two in because I'm like, well, we're not going, we're not going to go and just waste those two. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it again and try to bank some. And we go and do it again. And I had switched doctors to be closer to try to alleviate some of the stress. Cause I was going somewhere far away. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of a whole disaster. And it just wasn't a good fit, which I tell people too. Like if something doesn't seem like a good fit to you, like mm-hmm. advocate for yourself. Cause yes. I. Like there was just so many times I just didn't advocate for myself. I just kind of took what someone was saying to me and would just kind of just felt like I got steamrolled. And the next time I went through another round of it, we get halfway through and there's like, there's like no eggs. There's like one. And I'm like, can you pull the one out? And they're like, nah, it wouldn't be worth it. And so we just went through another round of like not getting it. And at that point they were like, there's nothing more we can do. Like We just don't think we can get any more. And it's just another round of like devastating Ugh. news of me yep. having to call my husband. Cause I'm like, at this point, it's been so many bad things over the course of probably three years straight mm-hmm. of this, that I'm like, I just don't think I can mentally handle putting those two eggs in mm-hmm. and getting the news that like, this is it. Because as long as there were two on ice somewhere to me, I was like, there is a small sliver of hope. Um, yeah. and it's not great, but there's a small sliver and I just didn't want to like ruin that small sliver of hope. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. You don't want to get rid of that sliver of hope. Yeah. At and least it was out there. But with? as soon right. as I put that in and right. you know, and a couple of days later they can call you and say it didn't work. Like yeah. I'm like I just I don't know where I'd go and I just was guilt ridden, like guilt ridden about that I was like that I was the reason like my husband wouldn't be a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, when he had talked about how important it was to be a dad. And then he would try to obviously say the right things and he'd say, you know, like that's not everything and we can have these lives. And I felt like I was letting my parents down because they couldn't be grandparents and just like such intense guilt that like yeah. no matter what anybody said to make me feel better, it wasn't going to make me feel better. And nope. then I finally I finally only put them in because the doctor, my original doctor who I loved uh, had to have rotator cuff surgery. Again, this is where like, there's so many weird things in life, right? That like that circumstances that don't, that impact you, that shouldn't impact you. But he called me one day and he's like, and this is how great he was because he had a million patients. But he called me one day, he's like, I have to have rotator cuff surgery and I'm going to be out for a while. And he's like, I think you should put these in. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And he was like, Sarah, he's like, what if they both work? And I'm like, and he goes, Would you be done doing this stuff? And I said, Well, of course I would. Like, well, I can't even have a kid. Like, I would love to have two. Like, why not? And he was like, Let's just put him in. And I still oh got to do it. And he's like, yeah. There was, it was to a point where he's like, Friday's the last day that I can like put him in. This is going to be my last day on this Friday. Like, if you don't come in. And so we did it. And I remember that morning being like, uh, I just remember they, we had all problems that morning. Like, they couldn't even get something with my uterus. They couldn't it just was like, things were getting delayed. I'm like, this isn't even going right. But he finally comes in and he does it. Um, my husband's not there. He's across the country. So again, I was oh, like man. doing all this alone. And I was like, do you think you did a good job? And he's like, yeah, I think I did a great job. And he was just so... He was <laughs> I love so that he was so funny. invested in your case. He really you know? was. And he was so funny. And he had such a good sense of humor that it's what I needed, like very sarcastic. and um, And he's so great, but it's like, it was... It worked for me. Like it probably wouldn't work for everybody. And I'm sure he's different to other people. But I was like, I don't know. I'm like, you, you only have one arm that's working right now. Do you think you'd <laughs> handled this right? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I think I killed it. And I like, I mean, that's a poor choice of words. He's like, I crushed <laughs> it. Right. Like, right. And, he's, and he was like so funny about it. And then sure enough. I had to call him or the nurse called. Cause now he's off. Like he's off on medical leave, having his shirt surgery. Right. He's like out See, of loop. So, so wait, nurse- just to b-
0: bring everybody up to like, so you did your transfer with these two yes. embryos, the only two yep. embryos that you have.
1: Yes. And okay. they couldn't get more. And they were right. like, basically like, we can't get more. Right. And then I will say like, I blew off the blood tests. Like when you're supposed to go to them to get tested. Cause I was like, I can't do it. Like, and you're giving yourself what after like the, the two week wait, you didn't do it. No, no, no. And I would be, oh I never been on TV and seeing like looking down and the phone was ringing like on silent of like the calls from the clinic. And they're like, you didn't show up for your scheduled appointment today because I was like, just petrified. Like, I was like, I cannot. I was like, Amazing. I literally cannot take any
0: more bad news. I just, so you can't weren't do testing it. at home either. Like, no, you didn't so do Eventually, any
1: tests. eventually, a girlfriend of mine's like, I never go in and let them tell me the result. Like, yeah. I go, I go do it myself first, which I right. didn't even, I don't know why I didn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, and so, but then I bought the test, and they sat under the sink, and I couldn't do it. And this, by the way, this didn't go on for like months. This just went on past the, the like two weeks testing that they would, yeah, yeah past the two weeks. But you're giving yourself shots, so I'm like, am I supposed to still be giving myself these shots that like, um, oh right, make your chances like whatever it's doing right for, like progesterone or whatever yes, you're on? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, am I just giving myself these like fake shots I don't need because I'm not pregnant? And I just remember probably the most scared I've ever been in my whole life is when I finally went and like peed on the stick, and it's like a whatever it takes, like two minutes or whatever, walking around the house. Cause I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack. Like I Mm -hmm. can't, I just can't like this all these last three years, it like all boiled down to this. And then I got like a positive line. But again, for me, it was great. It was awesome. But like not for a second, did I celebrate Mm -hmm. and not for a second, honestly, did I think that it was still going to work? Cause all I knew is loss. Like all I knew is, being pregnant and it doesn't result in a baby. So I didn't, and I think looking back now, um, so not only did it work, but it was uh, twins. Um, So they both worked and I only, you know, obviously had those two eggs. And so to only have two embryos and to have them both work is pretty rare and Mm. pretty spectacular and awesome. And um, I'm so fortunate for that, but I never allowed myself to even enjoy. So we told no one, we didn't. I, get I it. hid my pregnancy on TV. We How long did you, you only, hide it? Almost the whole way. So if oh you were God. in the studio with me, you knew I was pregnant at the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if on TV, I would put a computer in front of me. I would mm-hmm. put a. I would hold my scripts in a funny way, uh, and it was funny because my doctor, who's great, uh, he was like, "How long do you think you're going to hide this?" And I'm like, "The whole way." And my husband was even like, "Look, I support you." <laughs> he's like, "I don't think you're going to." He's like, "If I thought you could pull it off the whole time," he's like. I would tell you to pull it off. He's like, what do you think you're going to do? But I actually almost did. And there's pictures. If you saw me from the side, you're like, wow, she's really pregnant. But if I had the right outfit on and mm-hmm. the camera shooting me straight on, like you did not know. Um, oh my God. You know get- your angles. <laughs> I knew my, I knew yeah. my angles. Right. Um, and I, but I never allowed myself to have the happiness. And now having two healthy kids, I'm, much, I'm like, I wish I had a baby shower. I wish I right. had. Well, had that's a, another thing. I think so many,
0: anything. so many people can relate to, as you wrote, you know, I vowed not to celebrate anything until they were here. No announcement, no baby shower, not even a nursery until they arrived. And I think that, yeah, that's really common with pregnancy after loss. You know, it's, it's scary as fuck. It, yeah. And like, I just, we didn't set up,
1: cur- we had nothing. We had, mm-hmm. literally had nothing. Cause I'm like, you know what? I would rather be in this panic situation of like, holy crap, we have two kids and we don't have anything. Let's run out to the store and buy stuff for kids. Mm-hmm. Then have to, I mean, I was in that position, like the very first time around when mm-hmm. I had told a couple people, actually it wasn't the first time. It was probably the second or third time where like they had bought me gifts and I remember having to like mm-hmm. take them back. And yeah. I was, because I was not, I was like, it's I was perfect. not going to be the person that like kept them because I knew I'd have a baby someday. Cause I didn't like, I didn't at that point think it. And I remember returning some baby clothes to Nordstrom and I remember the lady and it's not her fault, but she's like, um, was there anything wrong with these? Did these not work out? And I'm like, no, the baby didn't work out. Like it's what I wanted to say, but I would have never made somebody feel uncomfortable in that way. But like, that's so hard, right? Like, I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with them. There's something wrong with me. Like, yes. And so I just could not like, I would be like, please don't get me anything. Please don't like, I just, I wish I had had those moments now, right? but I didn't think, I don't even have like the pictures from being like pregnant. We have nothing. Um, yeah. Yep. And I wish we did. And I like tell people that too, you know, like if you are so fortunate that you get to be pregnant again, I'm not saying like on day one, like you're shouting it to the world, but like allow yourself a little bit of happiness. And my husband would always mm-hmm. be like, you know, you're just stressing about it, but what if it works out? And I just, I personally just, I could never allow myself to like, even fathom that it would work out because Mm -hmm. it didn't work out so many times. Yep.
0: I totally understand. So tell me what happened on January 30th, 2017.
1: (laughs) I had knock on wood, like I had like a very easy pregnancy for not getting far in any of the previous ones and it's twins, which can be complicated. And then God, you imagine the lady who circled my 36 years old, it's going to get harder. Well, now I'm like 38 when mm-hmm. I was pregnant with twins. So they treat you like you're 58. And I don't, I've just had this conversation with a girlfriend recently, this idea of like advanced maternal age, people are having babies older. And by the way, on the flip side of that, people have terrible things happen to them when they're pregnant at 22, like two yeah. year olds lose babies. And, and I feel like, I feel like overall like they shame you into being pregnant older. And at this rate, I feel like if you're 38 or 42 and pregnant, you're 38 or 42 and you're pregnant, like don't make somebody feel bad about that. Like, yeah, like
0: be like Like when I was pregnant with my, my, I almost said my husband. No, I was pregnant with my son at 40. And they were like, this is a geriatric pregnancy. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is yeah. that? It's so and
1: insulting. By saying that, like, it's not said to make you feel better. And like, you know, you're 40. Right. But like, again, you didn't say that to the 22-year-old that lost their baby. And right. so like, and it hurts them just as much. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I think, yeah, like clearly there's risks, but like there's risks in anything. And right. so to, I feel like the medical community like really like goes out of its, their way to like point that out. But anyway, I was... 38 pregnant with twins. I'm like a healthy person. Like you, again, didn't like, I didn't like gain a ton of weight. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. get swollen until the very end. And I didn't even get swollen, but I, at the end, especially with twins, you start testing more Then I actually wasn't even at the very end. I was at 34 weeks and we went in and, and for anyone that's lost a baby, you know, you start counting like the markers of like, okay, I made it to three months. Now I made Mm -hmm. it to four months. Now I made it to five months. And at some point in my mind, I'm like, at what point can I just make it? And they're viable. If I make it mm-hmm. to six months, if they got to pull them, like, can they live? Like, can mm-hmm. I get to it? So I went in and they were like, are you having headaches? Are you having anything? And I'm like, no, I'm great. And they had the like monitors strapped to my stomach. And I'm like, oh, I'm great. And they're like, have you been feeling like they're asking questions that were weird, but I didn't feel anything. And uh, it turns out that I had that like preeclampsia. And I guess mm-hmm. it comes on so fast that the doctor, so I'm there with like a purse, Um, my husband had just, we were, we decided to have the babies in Florida. Again, we had been living in Connecticut, but he was a baseball player and spring training was going to be in Florida. I'm originally Mm -hmm. from Florida. So my parents were in Florida. I had no one in Connecticut family-wise. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, twins go to the NICU a lot. Let's just have them in Florida. I'll have three months off. This is where like, I'll Mm -hmm. have help. So I'm at a regular appointment and they were like, yeah, um, why don't we just go next door and have them? And it was, and they said it to their credit for all the medical nightmares I've had, like they were Awesome at this hospital. It was Tampa General. They were so good. The doctor was, um, I just loved her so much. And she only came on very late in my pregnancy when I showed up and said, Hey, will you let me have twins here? And she's like, Sure. She was um, like a very young doctor. She had just come back from um, her own maternity leave. So she gets it. She had a baby. Mm -hmm. And she did everything to like kind of downplay the situation. So the amount of worry I should have had, I didn't have. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. in some ways, it's that ignorance is bliss thing. Yeah. She's like, You know what? You made it really far. And like towards the end, you just get greedy because you want to keep. Them longer, but like, let's just do the right thing. And let's just pull them. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> like, And so, and my husband's like, okay. So, um, like, you know how these people are prepared with their hospital bags. I had nothing. Like, I'm like, this isn't happening for like another month or two. Like we're fine here. And, uh, we're just like both, like, I think we just like stared at her and he goes, so when I go home, he's like, when we go home, we should like pack some stuff. And she's like, yeah, you're so you're not going to go home. You're going to go across the street to the hospital and have a And I think we both just sat there like, that's confusing to us. Cause it sounds like, um, we're going to be parents today. And like, but you would think after all we've been through, we were like very prepared. Like we were not prepared. <laughs> right. And, um, again, cause when you've never had kids and you've never had a delivery, like we're, we weren't near the finish line, at least we thought that day. And so then we went across, uh, to the hospital was like next door and they were like you know don't worry we've got all day cuz i'd eaten breakfast and you can't go into like a c section or surgery having eaten food oh right like, don't we'll do it we'll wait till 5 and then they'd come in and they're like you know what you don't want to sit around all day like we'll do it at like 1 and we're like okay and obviously they're looking at like vitals and they're seeing stuff's not good and then they like come in and they were like um we're going to you know what let's just like we'll just wheel you down and do it now and i'm like i ate breakfast like is that like and they're like ah that's overrated all of that's overrated like <laughs> and they totally it was so quick and so like everything happened so fast that morning like and both of us were just kind of like these two idiots that we were like, what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. uh, he had to like call my mom because we were staying at my mom's at that point, and he's like, yes, yeah, so she's gonna have twins today. And so we hadn't told family members. So literally that day, when, like my mom oh my was, like calling our family, like even my like grandmother, and be like, so Sarah had two babies today, and they were like, wait, what? <laughs> what? um And I also had this moment. I think I again had these moments like that. You think are just a given, right? You think that you're probably going to get married you think you're probably going to have kids you i envisioned like i was going to have this picture in the hospital where it's like the husband and you hold the baby and like and it didn't happen that way for us yeah. obviously because it was a, an emergency situation so they were taken immediately i didn't see i saw them for like a second like when mm-hmm. they pulled them out and then they were taken to the nicu and then i had so many problems that i didn't know i was having um mm-hmm. and i ended up not seeing them for 3 days cuz i was like hospitalized on my own for 3 oh, days wow. so it's also weird to me looking back that like i could have fought so hard to have kids and then these kids were in the world for 3 days and like i never met them like i couldn't get up and go to the like mm-hmm. a couple floors down but i was mm-hmm. so out of it and on drugs and and they were concerned about strokes and that stuff just happened like very quick like on yeah. top of me but it all ended up being okay but like you look back and it just it none of it was the way i thought and like people that have these pictures from uh, in the delivery room and they have like photographers and they look good i mean look right. I, I like rolled out of bed and went to a doctor's appointment like right. there was no makeup there was no... I love that you're like all i had was my purse <laughs> I had a purse with like nothing in it. Like I don't have like, I don't, I don't have fuzzy slippers and like a cozy blanket. Like I don't have anything. And, uh, and you know, I don't have any of the pictures. And then my husband, even now, like, I'm like, you took nothing. He's like, I don't know. I was like, I was nervous. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like they had to, at one point tell him to get his phone out, to take a picture. And he did the thing where you think you're taking a picture, but you took the video or you're supposed to vice versa. Like it's all a disaster. And he's like, well, it all worked out. But like, so this idea of being prepared, like we, we're not. So the oh whole journey God. was like a lot and it worked are, out. Okay.
0: How are the babies now? Sadly,
1: they're not babies. They just turned great. Right. Five. right I exactly. They're babies. And then like my daughter's like, I want a sister. And I'm like, I feel so bad. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. Cause we can't do them. We just can't anymore. But, um, and then I, I actually got pregnant. Um, so after this whole ordeal of life and like, we finally get these babies here, I felt weird being like, I was going to get like an IUD or something but then I felt weird cuz I'm like, well, now I'm 40. At this point I was like 40 and I'm like the percentage of me getting I like look at all the percentages mm-hmm. of like things like I don't have eggs that work. They never worked apparently. Now it's like a 5% chance anyway. Well, sure enough, I got pregnant like pretty soon after the twins were born. Like they they were probably a year when I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my god." And I'm like, this is like this and I actually it's weird. It was the only time I actually thought it was going to work out because we were not trying to, and we had gone through basically hell and back. And so, and I'm like, that's what you hear all the time is that people say that like, they were told they couldn't have kids and they did Mm -hmm. all these treatments and nothing worked. And then there's a random miracle. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to work. Like, I can't believe this is so crazy. And then of course, like I lost that one too. And then after Mm -hmm. that, they were like, you really shouldn't be like, take any chance that you could get pregnant again. So that was the end of it. But I clearly... Know that I am so fortunate, and it is insane to me hearing people's stories to this day that those two even worked. And mm-hmm. I try to tell people that, as bad as things are, and I realize I can say this from the place I'm in now, as bad as things are, like it's like one call can change your life, right? And and I mean, I was when I say in bad shape, like bad shape, mentally, mm-hmm. like not good, like probably mm-hmm. should have been in a psychiatrist, bad shape, and. Mm-hmm and things changed my like my luck changed my life changed it worked out and i know that that is easy to say when you're in a position that you're past it mm-hmm. uh, and something that i definitely couldn't see when i was in it and so like all i say to people is is like i was there like mm-hmm. i was in that bad space and i know what that's like and it's really hard mm-hmm.
0: Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. And Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that story. I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm so glad that you went public with everything that you went through. And I really think you're going to help a lot of people by sharing this story. So, guys, if you want to follow Sarah, definitely check her out on NFL Network and NFL and Fox. You can also follow her on Instagram at Sarah Walsh 10. You can also follow me on Instagram at Infertile Stories. And if you have a moment to rate and review the podcast, it really helps get noticed, so that would be amazing. One more quick thing, if you're looking for community and you're looking for support, check out the Fertility Rally, which is an amazing community, an amazing family that Blair Nelson and I have co-created. We have over 300 members all around the world. It has just become the greatest thing, in my opinion, for people going through infertility. It's support groups, it's Facebook groups, it's just a sisterhood like no other. We have another IRL event coming up this summer and lots of cool partnerships and lots of great things. So check us out at fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at fertilityrally. Thank you so much and I'll talk to you guys next time.